Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. A blessing to worship the Lord together. And there is such healing in him. There is hope and salvation. And our eyes are on him this morning. We look to God, the creator of all things. And um, one announcement before we get started with the message. Um, the young adults will have a lunch and prayer over at Anna's place today. And it'll be at the first and third Sunday of the month. So you can see Anna or Cara for details, but from one to four, they're having that gathering the first and third Sundays of each month. So that's a good time to get together and to pray and to encourage one another in the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace and your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you for your faithfulness and that you have caused the sun to shine, that you've given us life, that because your word is true, we know who you are, we know your promises, and we also know that you are so high above us, that your thoughts are not our thoughts, your ways are not our ways, and you, you are sovereign, glorious, and good. So we humble ourselves before you, Lord, and we cry out to you for your wisdom and your guidance and for your help and your healing, for your salvation. We thank you for the word that you're um, going to bring to our hearts today and give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what the spirit says to us in Jesus' name, amen. The conclusion of Job was God really talking about his creation and his power and authority over the heavens, the earth, the sea, the living creatures. And so it makes perfect sense. Our next book would begin at the beginning in the book of Genesis. Foundational book that reveals God created all things. It speaks of man's origins, how the sin, curse of sin entered the world, the, the deadly results of sin and God's redemptive plan. And it's really the revelation of God from the beginning. It's generally believed to have been penned by Moses as are the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And it's a book of divine revelation of historical events, genealogies of people. Uh, and the Bible is so unique. And it's fitting that Genesis should start the, the 66 books that comprise the scriptures. And there's history, poetry, prophecy, instruction, and it's all good and true. And we can trust the spiritual things are true because the physical things are true. Um, I've read that there's 165 references in the New Testament to the book of Genesis, which is pretty amazing. And it's all one book, the Bible that we hold in our hands, the revelation of God. And faith in God is the key to receiving it, to understanding it, to believing its truth. And the Bible shows that all exists because of God, as it's written in Psalm 19, 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The human ability to reason, to appreciate the world, to recognize the beauty that we see contained in it, to be conscious of order and symmetry, and the complex function that we see, um, it speaks of God's existence. It speaks of his wisdom. Skeptics will always find reasons to not believe what God plainly says. God has said something. Do we believe it? Will we receive it as true? Genesis lays the groundwork for the law that was given through Moses. So it's like showing God's authority over all the world, over all that he's made, and then his truth in how we ought to live. 
And Jesus affirmed that Moses was the one who wrote this in Luke 24, 27, that says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So we have God revealing himself to us that God is eternal. He has no beginning or end. The God who does everything, that was Job's conclusion where he says, I know you can do everything. Like God, there's nothing that's hidden from you. You see and do all things. God's able to preserve his word. God's able to, because he created our minds, we know he thinks. Uh, He's given us languages and tongues. He's able to communicate his truth to us. And we can receive it as from him. Genesis also provides really the prologue of the nation of Israel and how the Jews were God's chosen people um, through Abraham and his descendants that he would give them his law. He made a covenant with them and it introduces so many huge topics. I mean, Genesis is a long book, but it's also very involved in talking about the universe and our earth and the solar system and man, woman, marriage, language, culture, government, religion. There's just so many things tied up in this book. And I suspect a lot of these things you already have an opinion about. Now I ask you to consider, are you willing to read God's words with willingness to accept them? That what he says is what he means. So we begin in Genesis one verse one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 10 simple words. The first sentence of the Bible is the threshold we must cross to receiving the rest of God's revelation to us. If you believe this, then the rest of the Bible doesn't need to be apologized for or explained away or categorized as fable or myth. If you believe this is true, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything else makes a lot of sense. If you stumble at this, then you will remain in the dark. It will be impossible to receive. And It struck me as I read the first chapter of Genesis, how it's so different than a manual or technical writing. Like we have a little sign by the coffee pot. Like if you want coffee, this is what you have to do. And it's more involved than the first chapter. It's longer than the first chapter where God says, I created the heavens and the earth. And let me tell you what I made. And and I'm just like, wow, God is so awesome. And like he just 10, 10 words, just a simple sentence. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. This pattern we'll see where he says what he has done, and then he gives more specifics afterwards. And it was God who established the laws of planetary motion and gravity. It's God who created the elements that scientists have discovered and attributed an atomic number to. I was just looking at an article on isotopes, and I'm like, whoa, this is making my head spin. I can't even understand what this is really talking about. I mean, I can read the words and I can Google them and, or define them in a dictionary, but I don't really get them. And God's like, I did all those things. Sciences of chemistry and physics and geology and biology, they're all beneath God. He doesn't need them. And God's allowed us to use them to learn about the things that he's made and created. We have to discover and formulate and calculate and measure and quantify and catalog all the things that God already knows. He knows them all. And so more than giving us scientific jargon, God gives us instruction for righteousness so we can know him, so we can follow him. And what follows is not a biblical cosmology, but it communicates in what God has done 
in creating everything in ways people in ancient times and we can understand completely. There's no controversy about it. He just says what he means. It's simple and straightforward. It really doesn't need much interpretation. It just means we need to accept it. And that's the challenge, right? Will we believe God's word or what we have already thought? And we tend to overload biblical passages with what we know or think we know. We think we know something and we can create some confusion or debate or division. And that's happened like, let's say, with the age of the earth, where there's some people who say the earth is really, really old. Some people say, well, the universe is much older or it, it is young with the appearance of age or it's just young. And you have different views. But God doesn't tell us when he created the earth. He says he created the heavens and the earth. And the estimations of that time, they've changed greatly during my own lifetime. Frankly, it's irrelevant to our study because God is eternal and the creation of the world is beyond explanation. I can't explain what only God knows. That's, I can't do that. But God has told us what we need to know and that he existed eternally before our planet was made and he made it. And we're told a reason why he made it in Revelation 4.11. They said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. God created us with the ability to know him, that we would glorify and trust him. And it was by his will we exist. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. God's created the heavens and the earth because he wanted to and because he could. And because through that he receives the glory he is worthy of. And he gives us the opportunity to recognize him as God and maker of all. Picking up in verse 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Since earth is our base of operations, God's intent was to reveal himself to mankind that he created. We learned the earth was at one time without, it was a void. It was a void in darkness without form. And the spirit of God hovered over the waters and kind of like a, a, a hen will brood over her eggs. And the Hebrew word for God here employed, it's Elohim. That's a common form of the name God, but it's in plural. Using scripture to interpret scripture, we see that God is revealed as the Father, as Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, but one God. So the triune Godhead. And this God, our God, was involved in creation. Psalm 33, 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And that word is Yahweh. That's the Tetragrammaton, which is the formal name of God whom you would call God the Father. John introduced his gospel with this description of Jesus as the word in John 1, 1 through 3. And see the similarity to Genesis. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So we see the word. We see Jesus Christ involved in creation. 
And in Job 26, 13, it says, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. So the spirit was involved as well. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke it and it was done. Wouldn't you like to have that ability? You just speak it and it's done. But with God is able to do this. He just spoke it and it was done. We have devised means of switching on a light, right? We can use an app. We're like, I don't even need to touch anything. But there has to be a, a, a tube or a lens or a diode, something that's connected and powered that's switched on in some way to let there be light. We're just exposing the light, but we didn't really make it. God, out of nothing, he made everything. No one but God can do that. When Moses faced off against Pharaoh's magicians and God miraculously caused dust to turn to lice on man and beasts, they said to their Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is the finger of Elohim. Only God can make life out of no life. This was not alive. Now it's alive. Only God can do that. Only God can create life and only he can speak to cause light and to shine in the darkness when he's the only source. God saw the light. It was good. And this is going to be repeated throughout the whole chapter. The things that God made, they are good because he is good. And so we can know what is good because God has made them and everything he does is good. And the only source of goodness and that word, it means pleasant, beautiful, beneficial, and best. If you're, if you're lost in darkness the light is good. It's the way out. You know that Jesus is the way, right? So God, he divides the light from the darkness called the light day and the darkness night. Verse five says, so the evening and the morning were the first day. Now this reckoning is consistent with how the Jews reckoned their days, evening to morning. So that's how the day began. Actually at sundown, that's when the day began. So there's no cause to think this day or yom is different than any other day measured in 24 hours. Unlike us, God doesn't have to put in the hours to get anything done. He could have it done in an instant if he wants to. Um, but he chose to take the time that he did because through this, he established seven day weeks as we see. And this view is supported by the explanation of the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, verse 11. It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So God saw fit to establish time and to enter into it before there were any visible markers of time that we rely on to tell time. Picking up in verse six, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus, God made the firmament and divided the waters, which were under the firmament from the waters, which were above the firmament. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. We'll see the a series of divisions that happened. There was void and nothing. And then there was uh, the earth that was still without there was light over it, but it wasn't actually there yet. Then he divided the light from the darkness. And here he divides the waters from the earth, from the water in the atmosphere. Now this firmament or expanse, it's where God has spread out the sky. There's water on the earth 
And as we look at the earth, we see that it's also swaddled in clouds, that we have water in the atmosphere. Um, people speculate what exactly is meant by firmament. Here it's identified in verse 8 as heaven, which means sky. It's also possible that there were conditions that existed before the flood of Moses that we do not observe now that we'll read in Genesis chapter 7. Instead of giving place to speculation, we'll just stick with what we can see in the text. And it would be just like humans to shrug off what God has said and wonder about all that he hasn't said or what it could actually mean when it's like, well, this is what God said. We can, we can trust that. Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So there's things God has revealed. There's some things he has not revealed, but we can trust him and rest in all that he says is true. Picking up in verse 9, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree, tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Dividing light from dark water on the earth from that which is in heaven. Now dividing the waters on the earth from the dry land on the earth. God said it and it was so. The dry land was called earth. The gathering of the waters seas. As we read in the book of Job, God determined where the seas would be. And God saw that it was good. And it was good because it would accommodate exactly as he purposed that the land, the earth, would bring forth all this vegetation. Um, at his word, the earth brought forth grass, herbs, and fruit trees that bore seed to reproduce. And we see that the seed is in itself. That's how we know what a, the difference between a fruit and a vegetable, right? So a fruit, the seed is within the seed or on it. And we can get really technical about, well, is that really a fruit or is it a, an appendage or is it this kind or... Okay, there's a whole bunch of different fruits out there. It's a lot of different trees, a lot of plants that reproduce sexually and asexually. Um, but in plants, the seed is in itself. Some have the male and female parts, parts contained in it, like in flowers. The word here, seed, it's the same word the King James Version gently calls the seed of copulation in men. That grass, herbs, and seeds, they reproduce after their own kind. That's often going to be repeated Concerning all living creatures that we're going to read about, whether they're plants, animals, or people. In 1859, Charles Darwin published On the Origin of Species. I possess a copy. And he marveled over the diversity of plants and animals and how through selective breeding, domesticated cattle and dogs, they were different. And he was saying, well, in every like, litter of dogs, they don't all look the same. Uh, they have different temperaments, fruit from the same tree. It's not all identical. And he looked at differences between pigeons and finches. And he postulated how slight successive changes or variations could possibly explain the origin of all these different varieties or kinds of animals that we see. 
And I believe if you were to read that book, much of his musings and wonderings would be rejected by countless today. But there was an idea that was latched onto that there's a world full of living things without God. We don't need God to have life. That things by chance could have arisen. Possibility exists that you could have something give birth to something else. And that, uni- that evolutionary concept, it was applied beyond biology and then was like into the origin of the universe of how we came to be. And I quote this from the end of the book. This is Darwin's view, and it's a philosophical one. He says, natural selection works solely by and for the good of each being. All corporal and mental endowments will tend to progress toward perfection. Thus, from the war of nature, from famine and death, the most exalted object which we are capable of conceiving, namely the production of the higher animals, directly follows. Now, that's quite in opposition to what we've read here in this passage, that everything according to its own kind, that herbs and grass and trees, they yield according to its kind always. And it's true. There's variety in what God has made, just like every dog or child or human eye is different from another, but dogs remain dogs and people remain people because God created them to be. So we see there's an incompatibility between the two views That's put forth from the scripture and what many, and I would assume many even in this room might hold. Certainly what you've been taught. I took biology and uh, chemistry and I took uh, geology in university as well. I know what I was taught and it wasn't this, but this is what God has said. Darwin's suggestion is put forth as an alternative to the creation of God. And both require faith. Both views require faith. The demand the Bible places upon the reader is to believe that God created grass, herbs, and trees that bear seed and fruit, each according to their kind. The atheist, the naturalist, the skeptic believes there is no God, that all the plants we see could possibly from them arise something that is not those plants or seeds, and that um, they could produce something other than a seed and that they could occasionally bear fruit of another kind. At some point, it could happen. That's what's forced upon the naturalist. So it makes the room for the possibility one day there will be a living thing produced by a person or a plant or an animal that is alien from all other kinds that have been made previously and will signal development into a higher creature. So instead of God creating us, There's a chance man can be God tomorrow. That's the philosophy that we see here. When I took geology in university, there was a lot of talk about space, matter, and time, energy, but never information. That's something that was not discussed. That where did all this information come from that we see packed inside every living cell? Darwin never knew about DNA, the double helix that impacts heredity. And how information is replicated in each cell and passed on. And as we discover and learn, there's greater challenges uh, posed to that idea. And everything still works to confirm the truth of what God has said. That everything, those plants, they bear according to their kind. And it was good. So evening and morning were the third day. Verse 14. 
Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. On the fourth day, God created these lights in the heavens to divide now the day from the night. Like there's all these divisions that are taking place. It's like, okay, we're going to divide this. We're going to divide that. And very systematically, and the purpose was for signs. You'd put these great, the sun and the moon in the heavens for signs, seasons, days, and years. The sun to rule by day and the moon by night. God also created the stars and placed them with mathematical precision in the heavens. The sun is 400 times greater than the size of the moon, but it's also 400 times further away. And so it appears the same size to us from our perspective. And God mentions here things that you could actually see with your eyes. Like he doesn't talk about distant planets or galaxies. Um, he talks about things that we could see that could be confirmed with the naked eye. There's estimated to be a, a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. There's one star in our solar system, solar system and that's the sun. So he's kind of getting a very crazy idea of how huge space is. My grandpa had a mantle clock with a 30-hour movement. And after several decades of winding the clock every single day, so uh, it would chime on the hour, he just like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to bother with that anymore. That's a lot of work, you know, every day winding that clock. God ordered the moon to orbit the earth, the earth to orbit the sun, the sun to move through its circuit through the galaxy in a circuit without wheels or cables or springs or dials. And there's no winding required because God causes it to be. He made it that way. He established gravity. I mean, we can research to try to discover how these things work, but only God knows. He made them to work as they do and have for millennia. And he tells us his, their purposes in creation to give light to the earth, to divide light from darkness. Verse 20. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. One feature that distinguishes earth from other planets we have observed is the super abundance of living things. There, there are living things everywhere in the soil, in the air, in the water, uh, walking around, sitting in chairs in this room, um, little living things on your hands and on your eyelashes that you can't even see. And we've just, people have discovered those. So God, he created the birds and the sea dwelling creatures, the fish, mollusks, crustaceans, sharks, dolphins, whales, 
And he created birds to fly. He created birds like the penguin that live in the sea and partly on the land. And so it's like, did he, did he create them on that day or a different day? Are they really a winged creature? And I mean, but does that really matter? God created them. God created the owl, the toucan, the dove, the peacock, the chicken, hawk, pelican, and crow. And he made this astounding variety, these birds with these bright colors. And like plants, these birds and sea creatures, they were to be fruitful and multiply, to reproduce according to their kind. And I find fascinating how different birds can be from one another. You just see their plumage and their behaviors and the eggs that they lay and some are living in trees and some are just scratching around the ground. And I've learned to distinguish the sounds between a galah flying overhead, one of my favorites, and and a rainbow lorikeet, that that cheeping noise, it's quite different. Or even the difference between a sulfur-crested cockatoo and a black cockatoo. I'm like, oh, those are black cockatoos. And I'll say, where are those? And so I'll be looking for them because I recognize their distinctive call. These birds exist because God created them. He caused them to multiply and bring forth young according to their kind. And I love it when I see a couple of a mated pair of ducks just waddling along. I'm like, ah, and I can just, I'm not a bird expert by any means, but I can see that they're different, slightly different sizes and slightly different plumage. And they always hang out together and you see them walking by. And I'm like, that is awesome. What God did that he created them to, to know how to be ducks because I don't know the first thing about it and to enjoy their lives and to, to live together, to find one another. I'm like, where do you even find a duck? But they found each other and they're walking around together. It's just amazing. Maybe I'm just easily amused, but uh, <laughs> my, God's wisdom, his design, his purpose to bring them together, to bring us together. Evening and morning were the fifth day. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God created the living creatures on the earth, the mammals, the vertebrates, the invertebrates, the reptiles, amphibians, insects, all on the same day. There's no mention of microscopic organisms here. God's describing things that people long ago and today we can look and see. You don't need a microscope to confirm the things that he is saying here. It's very plain. It's written in a way that everyone can understand, whether you're a young child or an older person. Nothing doubtful or questionable about what God did. And we can debate whether crocodiles are really a, you know, ocean-dwelling animal or a land-dwelling animal because they spend time on both. Like I said, having taken biology in school, I'm fully aware there's a very different explanation of where animals came from in schools that from non-life, ages ago, a single cell somehow formed over time, exploded into many kinds of living plants, animals, and people. But science can never demonstrate how life ever arose from non-life. No one can explain how three billion pairs of cell of base pairs in our DNA came to be tightly packed and threaded in the nucleus of every cell. Even with you, with threads supplied me and a machine, a sewing machine made for that purpose, I would not be able to thread it 
unless you gave me a manual. I'm not a seamstress. I mean, I've seen a sewing machine, but if you said, okay, you don't have to source this thread. This is actually real thread, and here's the machine. Now, you don't get a book, but you just got to figure out how to make this work. I mean, compare the two. DNA in your cell, in every single, so they estimate around 10 trillion cells in your body. That's in every single one of them. Three billion pairs of uh, the human genome in your, each cell. It's like, wow, that's pretty wild. How long did it take to count those? The most complex machines designed by someone cannot compare to the living things that God has made to reproduce in themselves. Even if a genius was able to make a machine that could replicate itself. Now you think about it. Make a chair that only makes chairs. That would be pretty clever if you could make such a thing. The irony is, if you could make a machine that could make itself exactly, it still needs to be designed, constructed, powered, and provided materials to accomplish that by a mind outside of it that had a reason to do that, just to do it. We are going to make a machine that can make itself. Well, don't make it too complicated because then it's going to be really hard, if you can make it at all. And you look at the living things, just go, wow, God has a purpose All living things have come from whom the Bible identifies as God who created us. The living almighty God. He has designed us. He has constructed and empowered us to know him. He's given us eyes to see. Praise him. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. On the sixth day, God chose to create mankind different from all other living things, different from the plants and the animals and the the birds, the fish. He created human beings in his own likeness, in his own image. And we'll go into greater detail about this in in coming weeks on this subject. But image, if you have a coin, an Australian coin, you see an image of the queen on one side of it. That is not a small part of the queen. That is just the likeness of the queen, right? We can recognize, okay, this is what the queen looks like or used to look like because it's probably from several years ago. I want to see the one with the hat now, you know, the queen wearing the hat. It's kind of like we should change the currency to really update it with how things look today, which would be cool. Uh, But that's just a likeness. It's, It's merely a representation of what the queen looked like. Now, Jesus explained that God is a spirit in John 4, 24. So the triune God that created the heavens did not have a physical form, did not have a nose like we have a nose to smell with. Um, He's a spirit. And God has given people dominion over all animals, everything on the earth, everything that creeps over it. And God gave mankind rule, even as God has rule over everything that he has made. And he's given people the unique ability to reason, to think, to have an independent will, to make conscience choices guided by your convictions and morality, uh, to appreciate beauty and artistry. And everything you can do, God does better. 
infinitely better, right? He sees, so he gave us eyes that can see. Now we can only see what's right in front of us. And uh, like I have bad peripheral vision, so I don't really get as much as some other people might, but I can't see what's behind me. I can't see what's happening on the other side of the earth. I can't see what's happening on the other side of that wall. I have limitations in what I can see, but God sees infinitely. He sees everything for all time. We can hear because God hears. God hears, so he gave us the ability to hear, to be able to hear things. He hears everything. We only can hear a little bit, but he hears everything all the time. He speaks. He communicates. He gave us mouths to form words. He gave us language so we could communicate our thoughts and our feelings with one another. He works. He enables us to work, to do profitable things, to accomplish and achieve. He's given artistic ability, right? When you look at the birds and you go, whoa, those colors, where did that come from? One, one bird looks a bit drab and the other one's so bright, beautiful, vibrant, like amazing. Some people can draw, paint, sing, write, compose, appreciate beauty. And God, he does these infinitely. And he knows everything. So he gave us a thirst for knowledge. If someone comes to you and says, you'll never guess what I did today. You're like, what? You kind of want to know what is going on. We want to know. Oh, did you hear the news? But like, what news? And, and you never get tired of learning new things. We love facts. We love trivia. We love to think. As long as it doesn't feel too much like work. But even then, there's something satisfying about it. So God's made us in his image. That we want to create. We want to make something new. We want to discover something. But God knows everything. And God's love is infinite. He's given us the capacity to give and to receive love. Humans in a way that animals and plants cannot. God lives forever. He's breathed into man a human soul. There's an internal part of us because we are more than just a body. When someone passes away, they're not there anymore. That's just their body. They have gone to be with the Lord. Or apart from the Lord. So there's an immaterial part of us. We've been created in God's image. The Bible teaches the living almighty God who created us did not remain an ethereal spirit, but he, he didn't just express his artistry in the plumage of birds or, or uh, in the heavens with his stars or um, that he thundered from the heavens and showed his power. But in due time, he came to earth as a human being, Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles to what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1 concerning Christ, starting in verse 16. Because you may wonder, well, what's the big deal about Jesus? Why do people talk about him so much? Well, because of who he is. He's not just a man. He's not just made in the image of God. He is the express image of God. He is the only begotten son of God. He is God made flesh who walked among us. Colossians 1, 16, 17, it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before all things and in him, in him, all things consist created through him and for him. Amazing that God would reveal himself and we have been created for him. We are his and that they are consisting in him. He sustains them. He helps and continues them. That's why we're still here is because there is a God because left to our own devices, we would destroy ourselves. We would have no hope in darkness. God, who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth, the word Jesus, John spoke of their one God with the Holy Spirit. Belief God created all things paves the way for us to believe Jesus Christ has the power to make us new creations. As it's written in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have this promise of new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And life for many people can be compared to darkness and void empty. It's like you're just going through the motions of life day to day. You're eating, you're sleeping, but you have really no purpose. You don't understand the purpose for your existence or why life matters, why your life matters. You don't experience the satisfaction but God who caused light to pierce the darkness, the God who divided the day from the night and created mankind unique, gives us an invitation to know, to believe, to trust in him, to be made new through faith in him. And the Bible, it's God's grand revelation of himself to humankind. It's also revelation to see us and who we are, that we were created by God for God, that we consist in him. And that we can draw near to him in faith. In his wisdom, God fleshes out divine love and grace and wisdom that science alone cannot fathom. He deals with matters of the heart, the mind and soul that philosophy cannot touch. In God who created mankind, we have answers to burning questions we never would have thought to ask. Unless God made us in his likeness to think, to feel to create as individual beings. Like the only reason why we care is because God cares. And I invite you to take God at his word. He doesn't just speak the truth. He is the way, the truth and the life. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word and your wisdom that you've created all things and by you, all things consist. And we thank you that you are Lord above all, and that the things that we read in your word can be seen in real life, that we see things bearing fruit after their own kind and the reproduction of animals after their own kind. And thank you for the variety of things you've made. And I am astounded, Lord, that there's so many specialists required to begin to understand how to treat and manage conditions in the human body. And you just transcend all of them because you know the hearts of men. You know the purpose for our creation and you made us to know you and to follow you. And I pray, Lord, that you would draw us near to yourself through your word and your wisdom, that we would just uh, lay aside our own ideas and choose to trust you, you and your word, 
that you are good, that you created us, that we have a purpose to glorify you. And you've made us for your good pleasure because you find us pleasing. And that is wonderful because, Lord, we are unworthy of such care. We are unworthy of such love. And we thank you for your grace that you are um, just amazing in everything that you've created and done. And I pray that we would grow to love you more. We would grow to appreciate you more. When we see the sunset, we would praise God. When we see these birds flocking together, we would magnify your holy name. We'd lift up our voices in song with them because you have given us life and you've given us love and hope and healing through faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're doing and how you allow us to uh, just grow. You give us time to grow. Every day you're faithful. So we thank you for this day that you've made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen.